You are listening to Overtired on ESN with Insomniacs Christina Warren and Brett Terpstra. How are you, Brett? I'm I'm pretty good. I don't it, I don't know. Maybe it's just postpartum Christmas depression. <laughs> Is that that's no part of means birth, doesn't it? It does, but you know what? I think I think that that uh, I mean, hey, Christmas was the birth of Jesus, so I mean, I think it works. I don't buy it. Yeah, no, but there is like there has been historical studies that show that people get like really depressed after around the time of like major holidays. There are also historical studies that show if Jesus was a person, he was born three months from now, based on the uh, depiction of stars, and and he was, um, you know, black. No, he was actually Arab, but well, he was Arab, um, but I mean, but but he he was darker skinned. He was anything but white. Anyway, well, anyway, yes, anyway. Yeah. Well, see, okay, we'll start out with the heavy stuff, well, the more interesting stuff to me, I guess, and then we'll get into some kind of current events, North yeah. Korean stuff. Um, my okay, so about I think it was two or three months ago, I uh, I, I needed to get off one of the meds that I've been on for ten years. And it was one that controlled the high end of my bipolar disorder. Okay. And uh, and I didn't I didn't know if I needed it anymore, but I was having like all of the all of the stuff they list on the bottle as potential reactions. I was starting to have them after ten years, and uh, so I weaned off it, and I was off it for a while, and everything seemed great. And then it wasn't until the day after Christmas that I realized that. I'd been like getting more and more manic over a period of probably a week, mm-hmm. which is weird because my cycle used to go about three days up, three days down, and then stable up for a while. And this was long running. And by the day after Christmas, I was, I was a wreck. And and the weird thing about bipolar is you get manic, and in retrospect, it's obvious, but you don't realize it at the time. Okay. You look around. You're like, "What's going on? Everything's weird. I'm I'm all hyped up, and I can't talk straight. And I can't draw on the iPad when we're playing awesome games on the TV, and everything was going wrong. And my family was like, "You on drugs?" Well, they didn't ask me. That's what I assumed they were thinking because I felt so frazzled and so just crazy. So my Christmas was basically me being embarrassed in front of my family because I couldn't be who I thought I was. And this all boils down to, I still haven't found a new shrink, and it's uh, it's getting more and more futile the harder I look. Yeah, you need to find a new shrink, Brett. Like, seriously, like, we need to, like, make this, like, you need to make that, like, a serious priority. Well, to, to, I had, when I weaned off this med, I had uh, 16 days left worth of it that I put up on the top shelf. Right. So I started taking it again, um, I think, yesterday morning. I started again, and I already feel way more, like... Me? yourself yeah. yeah things are starting to make more sense but yeah it's uh, a week of just not having any idea that i was in like a full-blown manic episode that's weird that is weird that that's scary See, I'm, i have depression but i'm not i'm not bipolar so i don't understand i far that aspect depression. of it. you're right now I, I i would kind of imagine but i've i've like been friends and i've been in relationship with people who are bipolar and my perspective, I usually can tell 
not always at the beginning, at least the people that I've been with when they're kind of going through an episode, but at some point I can kind of pick up on those things. Now, um, you said your, your family, like you felt like they were like wondering what was wrong with you. Are you high? Are you on drugs? Um, your wife, does she pick up, like, does she know like when you are, you know, see, that's the thing is I, for 10 years, never had an episode. Ah, once, once I got diagnosed and got on a med schedule that worked, I never had a problem, which is why I wasn't sure if I needed the med anymore. Right. And uh, and so she's never really seen me that way before. Uh, so she will probably recognize it next time. But this time she just thought I was just being a dick the whole time. Right. And then, like you said, like you didn't know until afterwards. You were like, oh, OK, well, now this makes sense because I was would you call it rapid cycling or is it just is it no, different? It was it was long, like nonstop cycle. I, I didn't sleep for like two days and then I was like it was rough sleep after that and I was just constantly I thought something had broken in my brain and I never put together I guess maybe because it had been so long since I'd experienced it but yeah it was I don't know I I feel like writing a letter of apology to uh to my wife and my like my my whole family came to visit like and in and they're like significant others and they brought their children and I was looking forward to it, and then I feel like I really messed it up. Well, a, I don't, did. A, I, a, I don't think that you need to apologize for anything, and, and, and you know, I'm sure that they still had a nice visit and, and a good time, and, and B, like, you should not, like, you don't need, I think the last thing you need to worry about is is other people right now. I mean, like, I'm going to honestly say, like, I think you need to obviously, you know, find a new shrink and, and get your med situation sorted out, but you need to take care of yourself first and foremost. And your family loves you and they'll understand, you know? Yeah, but I, I it would make me feel better to explain to them that I was not actually on crack the whole time. Sure. I mean, and if that would make you feel better, I mean, I think that that's a fair thing to do. But I also think that sometimes, you know, the holidays are always stressful for people um, generally. And, and oftentimes, you know, sometimes we feel like our behavior can come across in certain ways that it's not. I mean, I guess your wife would know more than, than well, you. Well, I mean, that's, of- that's my story is like my, my entire relationship with my wife, she's had to call people back the next day after parties and explain what I meant by what I said. <laughs> that I'm not, I don't hate them, that I just thought that was funny. And uh, that, that, that has gotten a lot better as of late, but... Yeah, she's she's used to putting up with that stuff. Not that that's okay, but yeah. So, what, did you get any good Christmas presents? I got a ton of clothes, but I gave a really good Christmas present. I think that's more important. What'd you give? Was it so, thoughtful? It was actually. So, um, my parents have had a really old. They haven't gone to HGTV yet. They're like the last people in America who were still on standard definition television, and they had um that I actually originally helped them get when I worked at Best Buy. This is how old their TV was. One of those um, flat Sony Triniton, like flat screen SD TVs, like a 36 inch, you know, that had like the the, the the big CRTs that were like weighed like 300 pounds. They had one of those in um, the keeping room and it was in this big armoire. And that was the whole reason that they hadn't gone to a flat screen TV is my mom didn't want to get rid of the, ar- the piece of furniture. <laughs> and... Um, didn't want to have to deal with, you know, mounting TV on the wall and all kinds of stuff. And we were there visiting them. My husband and I were in Atlanta and we were looking at the TV and just, you know, depressed about the size of it. 
and, and, and its quality and the whole thing. And, um, you know, TVs have gotten remarkably cheap. And we measured the cabinet and realized that we could get them a 40-inch TV to fit in that cabinet. And so we got them um, a 40-inch um, HGTV, a new Roku streaming stick, and a Blu-ray player for Christmas. Nice. Yeah, I like the, the, new, the new Roku streaming stick is actually really nice. It is. It's a great thing. They, they already had a Roku before because um, that's how they got their Netflix. They had like a, one of the original Rokus. Did you and hand it down to them? No, that's how actually. my dad got his. <laughs> no, I actually bought them one. I had I had a better one than the one they had, but because they didn't have HDTV, they didn't need the super, you know, fancy one. So I got them one in 2010, and they loved it. Um, so we got them a new one. And then we also got um, a, a, they, their DVD player broke, so we got them a Blu-ray player. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it looks great in the room, and and um, my my dad is super excited to have HD now, and that's awesome. Yeah, so so nice job. Yeah. See, I feel like I did pretty well with Okay, so my family for the last few years we've been doing just uh like you get one person's name and you don't spend more than $30. That's nice. Um, yeah, it, I like it. And uh I got my brother-in-law and I asked him for a Christmas list and he said he wanted big pens, like a box <laughs> of them. And so I bought them. You know, I got the pens, but then like I also got him. He's an engineer. He works with works for the government as of very recently but he works he's a laser guy and an aeronautics guy so i got him a uh bluetooth numpad for his uh his computer that doesn't have one his laptop and he was very excited about that and then i got him the one that blew him away was the um uh, the cyber goo the keyboard cleaner it's like this uh kind of very um uh, solid gel or mm-hmm. or liquid putty, however you want to look at it, and you roll it around on your keyboard. And there was this thing you got when you were a kid from Toys R Us that was just like this. Silly but, putty? No, it's 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 wetter than silly putty, but it's still like Gack. doesn't. Yeah, something like it doesn't like come apart. It doesn't. It's rubberized. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it works like amazingly well. You can. Uh, smear it all over your keyboard and then peel it up and it just cleans everything. It's amazing. Cool. And he was complaining about how his keyboard would just get dirty without, you know, he washes his hands. He's a clean guy. He's an engineer. <laughs> but but his, his keyboard is always dirty, so I fixed it. Ramblin' Rook from Georgia Tech and a hell of an engineer. That's all I ever can think of whenever I whenever I hear the, the term engineer. Like, the, the Georgia Tech fight song is the first thing that comes to my mind. Huh. That's That's what kind of nerd I am. Interesting. Yeah. My dad's an engineer. He always was. I grew up, had an engineer for a dad. And he, w- w- there was a point in my life, maybe fourth or fifth grade, where he tried to teach me like some real math. Not like real new math, but like the stuff that I thought would be ha- handy, but then I just couldn't, <laughs> I could never like really grasp it. And I got enough to get through school. But there was a point, uh, probably fifth or sixth grade, where he kind of just let me do my own thing. And we stopped doing math together. And after that, there was a long period where we didn't really <laughs> do anything together. Um, he taught me how to change my oil. That's the last thing I remember. But since I mean, since college, since I came back home, um, after my like walkabouts and everything, I have actually stayed more in touch with him. And then they moved to the city back to the city where i'm living and i have breakfast with him all the time my dad and i hang out he's helping me build things right now yeah 
what am I? I don't even know what I'm talking about. Maybe I'm half still manic. Who knows? No, I think it's interesting. So, what what what's what's your dad helping you build right now? It's kind of top secret, but okay. it's uh, it's something I want to sell. It's a product we're trying to figure out mass production on. Uh, are you three D? Are you using three D printers at all to, to test with that? Right now, it's all wood. Okay. And and that was kind of important to me at the beginning, although after um, a couple months of trying to make it something we could produce at an affordable price. I've realized that we'll probably have to do two versions and I need to find like um, a plastic uh, manufacturer for it. But I have to say that the idea is brilliant. I We made some for my siblings for Christmas. My dad did. I shouldn't take any credit for that. But I invented <laughs> it. I designed it. I drew it up. And he has all the production credit, though. Um, but we got him. The, it, uh, it's... I want to tell everybody about it because it has literally changed my life in so far as my living room. Uh, I have a 65 inch TV. Did I tell you that? Did I tell no. you about how I got that? No, you did not. Tell me about your 65 inch TV. All I, all I knew was I wanted a bigger TV. Like we had a 32 for a long they're, time. And they're so cheap now. I was, I was well, uh, even, like, I mean, this was five years ago. It was okay, 200, so that... 250 bucks. Um, so then I, uh, we were watching it wasn't it was a movie we weren't crazy I think it was like Transformers One or something a year ago. Um and uh the movie wasn't awesome, but we wanted to see it bigger. Maybe it would be more awesome. Oh, it was um what was that? Pacific Rim. It was Pacific Rim when we decided we wanted a bigger TV. <laughs> and uh so I started watching the sale ads. Like I had feeds connected to the big sale websites and watch for TVs and I was waiting to see one bigger than 50 inches come down to a price that I had budgeted for and then one day I looked and there was a 65 inch TV from a manufacturer I'd never heard of but lower than my budget and I decided to go for it what's the manufacturer I actually don't remember it's upstairs it's something you've never heard of either Hisense TCL mm, no I, I don't even know if I can pronounce what it is. It's short, but it sounds like it's a cross between German and like uh, Power, like higher Swedish, like like H I E R. Power, Power, Power. Yeah, yeah. You've heard of them. You, I have. You didn't. I didn't have to say it, and you've heard of them. Wow. I have. Well, I, I kind of do this for a living, baby. Yeah. So so I get this <laughs> in the 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 delivery guy shows up with it, and it's uh, it's from a local like drop spot. He's not like a UPS guy. I have to help him get right. out of the back of the truck and everything. And I'm looking at it, realizing that I didn't realize how big 65 inches was. It's not a size <laughs> that I have any reason to be familiar with. And I got it set up, and we had to reconfigure the whole living room for it. It's huge. And then with the Roku on it and the Apple TV on it and the couch an appropriate distance away, I'm extremely happy with it. That's nice. Yeah, we've got um, a 55-inch in our second bedroom that we turn into like a den. And then we have our 40-inch, 42-inch that we've had for a number of years, a really nice Samsung in our bedroom. Um, but yeah, no, we uh, our 55-inch, I mean, that's really big and it's, it's LED backlit or whatever. Um, I I don't love it. Grant bought it. It's it, He got a really good price on it and it, it it's fairly good. Um, I would like to have more time to configure it so it looks better, but I don't spend enough time with it to really be that bothered by the lack of calibration right now. If I spent more time um, in that room, that's it, it's it's our den, but it's Grant treats it more kind of like his second office. So if I spent more time in that room, then I would probably be uh, 
more enamored with the TV because I would be able to have it calibrated to fit my preferences. But yeah. I don't, the worst part of getting new TVs for our generation is moving the old tube TVs. Yes. Like if you had like a, you know, what, I think it was 27, 28 inch, but the thing is as deep as it is wide. Well, precisely. It's still in my basement because I've done it twice in my life now, but it's, I, they're so hard to move and dispose of. Well, so what we did actually, um, my my dad, I mean, the, like I said, the TV that, we were, that they were replacing, you no, know, was a CRT. It was a tube TV, glass screen TV, um, and it was one of the, the flat screen ones, you know, so it had even more area or whatnot. Um, it probably weighed 275 pounds. Yeah. And, you know, it had been inside this cabinet that it fit very tightly into, very tightly into, you know, for like, you know, 11, 12, for like 12, 13 years, like uh, 11, 12 years, I guess. And my... um. Uh, 11 years. And, you know, at first the idea was that, you know, my dad and and, and Grant were going to, uh, Grant, my husband, were, were going to try to get it out. And then maybe my sister's boyfriend would help with them. And then my sister and her boyfriend left early and they never got around to getting the TV out. And when my dad put the TV in, he actually exasperated a hernia uh, because the guy who was helping him put it in, like, dropped his half, like, the last second of my dad ended up, like, holding the whole thing. And so my mom was exasperated or exacerbated. Exacerbated is what it is. I didn't know if I heard you wrong. uh, No, I I said incorrectly. I I, I said the wrong uh, verb. I was exasperated um, about that. As you should have been, actually. So, um, you know, he'd already had kind of like, you know, a flare of hernia from trying to move this thing one time. And and Grant's a bigger guy. My dad is, is older and we were kind of concerned. And my we were thinking about like, you know, trying to like bring in one of uh, my dad's friends who's a retired firefighter. And, and finally Grant just had a great idea. He was like, you know what? Screw this. He's just like, I'm looking on Craigslist and he found a mover and like found a a guy, a guy and his friend, uh, you know, like a moving company called the guy, said, Hey, we need you to move a TV. And it was a hundred bucks for the guy to come to where we were, which was about an hour away from where he was to move the TV and dispose of the old one. Back when I used to rock climb, stuff like that was easy because a six-pack of beer would move my entire apartment across town. <laughs> because I had all these friends that, that right. rock climb. And you call them up and they they consider it like exercise. And now I'm uh, kind of... Uh, I don't, I'm not friendless, but I don't have close relationships in town where people could actually come help me. Right. It's well, the I mean- one downside to being a hermit. <laughs> well, no, I mean, but that was the nice thing. It was, I mean, it was like, okay, granted, the TV was only $250, but disposing of it was as much of a big deal as getting it moved, you know, because they came and they were able to do whatever they wanted with it. We were like, hey, if you want to sell this, you can sell it. If you want to dispose of it, recycle, do whatever. But like, if you're going to take this away, then um, you can do it. And so it was so much worth all of our time and effort to just pay someone to come and do it. So Craigslist is your friend. This has been a long conversation about TVs, hasn't it? It really has. But, we, you know, actually, what, 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 I, I've got the perfect segue, though. Okay. Because we're talking about TVs, so I think that we should talk about things that you can do on your TV. Uh, like maybe, see, like, I mentioned this app, too. It was what I was alluding to when, uh, when I talked about I couldn't draw things on my iPad. That Right. Um, I had a really rough time with it, but that was the first time, and it wasn't the app's fault. It was my crazy brain because my family well we're talking about sketch party tv and they are sponsoring all of the uh, shows on esn over the next week 
and they are the first ever ND sponsor on the network. And my family specifically requested this game when they came to town because uh, um, they don't have the app, uh, like the iPad and the Apple TV combination, but right. I do, and they love it. We played this game at the Mashable Christmas party right before the holiday season. And uh, I've played this game at, at other sorts of things too. And if you're a fan of, um, if you're a fan of, of games like Pictionary, this is a super super fun game. So it basically, it works with your Apple TV and an iPad or an iPhone, and the, the the app connects to you know the Apple TV using AirPlay. And basically, it's a fun way to have like a multi party sketch game where you know you're drawing things and it's showing up on the screen and you can guess a sketch game where you don't have to deal with markers and huge port like uh, exactly like stands with paper that you don't have to flip pages. You just you right, it's right. awesome. Which which is the best part. And plus, at this point, I mean, I think a lot of us are better at drawing on screens than we are on paper. At least I am. I'm, I'm equally bad at both, but I'm slightly better drawing on screens. And so if you've got like a phone or a tablet, like it works really well. Um, and um, I don't know, it's a really fun game. I mean, I used to love watching When Loser Draw as a kid and, right, and playing yeah. games like Pictionary. And this is like brings that sort of thing to, um, you know, the digital age and it's kind of like i mean and, and um you know i'm, I'm going to be wrecking matt's awesome sponsory for this but just been mentioning another fun game uh heads up which uh, warner brothers does um it's funny though because i kind of think the two games they go really well together if you're playing like a game party night like sketch party tv is just one of those super fun games um just to get a bunch of people together with especially if you've got anybody who's either really talented with drawing or really not talented with drawing because it makes no, it really see, fun. I sat next to my brother who is a, uh, a professional painter and it, like I was it, I, I couldn't draw a person like a stick figure because like it, I don't know, oh I won't go into it because again like I've done it in the past and it's been great but my brother could just like he would just touch the screen I wouldn't even see his fingers move <laughs> and it would be like a, a horse in motion and it was amazing and it's really fun to kind of see the whole thing come alive. And, uh, it's very frustrating to be the bad drawer in the room, though. It is, but it's also hilarious if you're, like, on that team or, like, you're the bad drawer because, you know, it makes it that much worse for everyone else. But it's hilarious. It's fun. <laughs> it is. And, but anyway, you can support the show by supporting the single human indie developer, Matt Braun. I've met Brett and Matt. Matt is an awesome guy. Buy his app. It's three ninety nine, and um, actually, version one point was one of your top picks back on the original Systematic, wasn't it? Yeah, it's been a favorite of mine for a very long time now. Yeah, and I mean, it's, the app has been around for um, uh, a long time. I think it's a version two point two now. I think, and yeah. um, it's got a lot of really good new features. It works. You know, um, all you need you need an iOS device that supports AirPlay mirroring. So that's the iPad Mini, iPad Mini two or three, the iPad two and up. Um, iPad, iPhone 4S and up. And the Apple and, TV. Yeah, second generation or newer. Um, and uh, it's a ton of fun. Um, Matt's done a great job with it. It's really, really good. And uh, we appreciate um, Sketch Party TV sponsoring our show and all the other shows on the network. And if you're an indie that wants to sponsor ESN, you can get in touch with us using the contact form. But seriously, it's a really fun game. It's great for, you know, it's a, you know, after the holidays, you need to get together with friends. It's getting cold out, you know, stay inside, get drunk, play Sketch Party TV. Uh, yeah. Did we say Sketch Party TV slash ESN? Yes. So go to sketchpartytv.esn to learn no, more. No, no. Slash C. Sl- oh, I'm not even drunk. I haven't had a drink for two weeks. Um, Sketchparty.tv slash ESN. There we go. Dot slash whatever. Um, I, okay. N- that, this all reminds me. 
yes. I think something about drunk at the holidays. Yes. Um, I have this friend who I only see maybe once or twice a year. And the first time I met him, he ju- he, he, he read my blog and he randomly said, hey, can I stop by with some eggnog? <laughs> and I said, okay. He's a Minnesota guy. What am I worried about? Uh, he, he shows up and he brings this eggnog from his dairy farm. Nice. Um, and it was, you know, it's like raw milk eggnog. And all I'd ever had before was the stuff that you get in cartons from Target. Yeah. Or back in the day from like uh, Kroger. Yeah. And um, I didn't know that eggnog could be good, let alone like a heavenly experience. So Yeah. yeah See, I've so, had good eggnog. Um, yeah, I lucky guess I, you. Well, no, because I was spoiled. We used to have our milk delivered. Yeah. Like people would. And, and the the dairy, the Mathis dairy, they would do seasonal eggnog. So it wasn't like fresh, like from the farm like this. But, you know, like the, the milk would be delivered. And so it was, you know, coming from a dairy-ish. It wasn't like fresh off the farm or anything. But it was always solid. Yeah. And, and so I learned. And this time he brought me the eggnog. And he brought me um, bourbon for it. Like uh, re- decent bourbon. Like not... I shouldn't say decent. It's actually really good. It's not like a thousand dollar bottle, but it's better than I've been buying lately. <laughs> and um, uh, oh, and then guess what else he shows up with? What's that? An ErgoDocs keyboard for me, oh. fully assembled. Okay, now you're gonna have to tell me what is an ErgoDocs keyboard. Okay, so it's uh, it's this keyboard that I just found out about recently. I don't know how long they've been making them, but it it's in two pieces, uh, so you can position it ergonomically. And then instead of a space bar, it has uh, four keys by your thumbs. And then you can, basically it comes with no default configuration. The letters don't do anything. You put your own keycaps in and then you program every key to do whatever you want. And that's so hard like coded the- into, a, into a microprocessor in the keyboard. So this is like your perfect keyboard. It Okay, so the thing is... I have absolutely zero muscle memory. I'm having to teach myself like home <laughs> yes. row keys again because the version I have right now doesn't even have uh, – it just has solid black keycaps. And <laughs> so I, I'm not even done programming it yet, but my goal is to make this the first keyboard after I got my first um, aluminum Bluetooth Apple keyboard that I've always come back to. I'm going to make this the first keyboard that I retrain my muscle memory for. Are, are you going to do now? Are you going to do QWERTY? Or are you going to do Dvorak? What type of a key style are you going to use? I'm not getting like that crazy with my muscle memory. As much as I would love to have learned Dvorak many years ago, same. It will I be feel, QWERTY. Yeah, I mean, at this point, both of us, you know, we we rely on having to to you know use a keyboard for a living. And so, as much as I would, you know, people talk about how much better Dvorak is, and you can be you know faster and more productive and whatnot. My fear with ever going that is twofold. One, how am I going to train myself while I'm actually still working? Two, two, and then this is the bigger thing, you know, like even though I can use my own stuff most of the time, there are instances where, you know, to work, you've got to like use another keyboard, you know, like especially as a writer. You know, if I use somebody else's machine, have to log into another terminal, whatever the case may be. And um, that's just one of those things where if I'm going to have to go back and forth, I'm never going to get it. I had to sit down at someone else's terminal and use their customized version of Vim. Oh, God. I hate that. I hate that. I in hate front that. of my boss. Or, no, it was he wasn't my boss yet. At that point, he was, like, we were contracting him. 
and I had to sit down and try, and like for me on my keyboard, like the caps lock is my escape key, which is a very important key in that text editor. Yes. And so I'm basically paralyzed and struggling just to do things like change modes. Right. So I can move the cursor. And uh, and they're kind of looking at me like, how do you not know them? And I do, you're, but I have my like my I do, key- but I've got my own I've got my own you know key bindings. Yeah, and, yeah. My keyboard is so like I have trained myself to be able to do like family tech support without getting frustrated. Um, gotten really good at remembering to use spotlight instead of launch bar stuff like that. But there's some muscle memory that I will probably never erase, even if I do switch keyboards. Yeah, no, I mean, it's kind of one of the reasons why, I mean, we've talked about this before, but it's one of the main reasons why I think that I haven't moved to Sublime and in addition to my issues with it not being a real Mac app um, is that I just, I have all my, you know, key binding, my muscle memory is so ingrained with TextMate that it's just like, it's hard, like to the point that like I use like, you know, the mate command, like I install it on every Linux server I go on. Like I just you know aliased, I mean? I aliased mate to the subble command because it was that, yeah, that was kind of. I wrote all these scripts and stuff over the years that exactly. all called mate, you know, to open TextMate. And exactly. so I just I just alias the subble command to open um, sublime text when it's called. And it figures out if it's on an SSH session because I'll I'll shell into other computers and I'll instinctively type subl or mate instead of uh, like vim or something I Same. can actually use in Same. the terminal. And then that launches an editor on the remote computer and I'm sitting there going, why can't I see it? And yeah, so I've, I've aliased it to figure out if I'm, if it, if the command's coming over SSH and it will launch Vim instead. That's cool. Yeah. And I know that I could set up my key bindings in, in, you know, um, sublime to, to work the same as in TextMate. It's just that takes so much effort too. And so at a certain point I'm like, I don't have time to do this and this is working well enough. So you don't like editing raw JSON? No. I can't I can't say it's awesome, but it's very like when you set a key binding in Sublime, you can tell it this key binding takes effect when this regular expression is matched in the prefix before it and you're in this scope on this type of file and it's very powerful. If I had time to play with all this, it would be so much fun and like it sounds like something that I would kind of get into. It's just I'm so busy doing actual work and writing things that it's difficult. Like I think that when I eventually take like take a vacation then that's when i'll do things like reset my text editor although at this point TextMate is is pretty far along in it in its um beta um like it looks like 2.0 might actually ship it's not going to be do you think yeah i mean it's like they, they keep releasing updates and like the, they're even updating the help file and stuff like it's getting there that's good to hear yeah i, I would give it another shot like i i think it's been two years i mean it's I got I mean, it's gotten really good. Um, the only thing that's kind of a pain in the ass is that the settings now all have to be done like through a settings preference or preferences all have to be done through like a preferences file. But once you have that figured out, it's pretty good. Yeah, and- but you can do I, – I remember the one thing I liked before I stopped like watching it was you can do per project yes, configurations. You can. Yeah, you can have a different one in each folder and it can like live in other places. No, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's cool. I mean, it's gotten quite good. I enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, that's a really fun topic. It is a fun topic. Well, my biggest thing is that what the old text mate would do sometimes is that your document would just like crash if you hadn't saved and you'd be like SOL. And now it automatically saves document um, 
in like resident memory. So even if it crashes, like there it's, it's in a state somewhere it's like in a temp folder. Sublime, like the temp file. Sublime does an absolutely amazing job with their hot quit. Like you can, uh, you can like have your computer just panic and shut off. Yeah. And when you load it back up, maybe you'll be missing like three characters, but it yeah, saves, basically. it uses, it, it uses a combination of its own kind of like, uh, uh, memory storage and the system uh, autosave on whatever, like Mountain Lion Plus. Right. Or Lion Plus. Lion Plus. Anyway, um, but I mean, despite not being a real Mac Mountain app, Lion Plus, yeah. It does actually use a lot of the systems. The, big, the, the thing that frustrates me is half of the developers for bundles for it are Windows and Linux people. Right. So they they have no idea what like default commands that they're overriding for us precisely and that's my whole issue like that's what i've kind of gotten into like and i've been so used to being in like a, a mac first sort of community mm-hmm. like i just don't have time to deal with that stuff i mean on the one hand it's nice because like if i'm on windows or, or or linux like i can use like your same text editor and like that's awesome but like if i'm being honest most of the time when i'm on linux i'm almost always in a shell like i'm like vpning or like not vpn i'm like sshing into a system you know what i mean right. like i'm not actually like in the like i don't need the environment so you don't need gnome no i mean that takes up resources on my vps that i could be using <laughs> for other stuff i mean come on like that that's that's more cycles that i could be dedicating to you know my you know my sql instance or whatever um that's what i w- that's what i was running before i found os 10 i was i was using gnome i was using x and i was using linux and it became it became kind of like I it became better than Windows for me. It was a better alternative to what I'd grown up with. Yeah, definitely. But then I saw OS 10 and you're like, "Oh, this This is, is what actually... a GUI is supposed to look like exactly. and still have Unix underneath." Yeah. Precisely. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, at this point I think that I like parts of Windows better than parts of Linux, you know, depending on what system I would have to use. But if I were to set up a system, like if I were like, if somebody were to say to me tomorrow, Christina, you can't have a Mac. At first, I would cry really hard. But then, I mean, like, honestly, my alternative, I would probably be the sort of person who would look at, you know, some sort of, you know, Debian-based distro, whether it was Ubuntu with, you know, not their Unity BS Mac OS X ripoff that's not sort of thing. Um or, you know, something like, but, or just pure Debian or something, you know, I would probably, that would probably be what I would do as my daily driver. Cause I did that for a long time too. Like I had, you know, um, dual booted and, and mostly ran Linux on the desktop. But once I experienced OS 10, I was like, oh yeah, exactly. Like you, I'm like, oh, so I get all the geeky stuff and it looks pretty. Right. Oh that, my God. That's and uh, then there's Apple does such support. a good job of hiding the fact that the underpinnings of the system are so powerful. Exactly. And that's why, like, you know, it's it's a popular, you know, OS amongst kind of like everybody because to me it's also one of the reasons why the indie Mac community in terms of software really took off is that you had all these powerful underpinnings and you had these people who cared about UI and UX and usability and, uh, you know, like, building really awesome crafting really awesome software that you didn't have also, in the other communities. They also provide the best SDKs and tools for programmers. So you don't even have to care about the powerful stuff to write a Mac app. And I can't think of any other OS in my experience that's made it that easy to write something that does something truly useful without having to have been a lifelong programmer. 
you know, Microsoft has done pretty well with some of their stuff. You know, I mean, C Sharp is not terrible, and and they've done some really good stuff with Visual Studio. What's, but yeah, you think that Visual Studio is an equivalent to Xcode? Yeah. Interesting. It's been a few years. I'd have to go back and look, but I don't know. Yeah, I definitely Xcode do. I made mean, like Xcode made me a programmer. Up until then, I was a scripter. Yeah, I mean, I think that Xcode is definitely like an easier place to come to if that's kind of where you've been. Like, but no, I mean, um, Visual Studio is pretty good. I mean, it really is. I mean, there are a lot of people who, when they think of IDEs, a lot of kind of lifers like they think Visual Studio and like that's what they think about. Um, I mean, I like Xcode a lot, and I think that the the most recent version they've made some really nice updates. But I'm not going to hate on um, on Visual Studio at all. Interesting. Let's see. I guess it's not so much Xcode that, like, I don't actually like working in Xcode. I do a lot of external editing in Sublime, but the right. uh, the interface builder and the the way it, that um, if you That's draw a the connection, big thing you don't have exactly right. If you draw a connection between a property in your file and an an element in the actual visual interface builder, it recognizes that immediately and will update the entire exactly uh, index based on what's connected to what and it's really amazing no i mean i think the interface builder is one of their kind of secret sauce things that really is unique and really does do some amazing stuff especially for people who are coming from like scripting stuff like you you know um and and just you know their scripting interface too is just so much better you know just using you know automation stuff i mean like it's just it's it's nice um it's kind of an easy way to get kind of into stuff but i got into their javascript for automation over the holiday oh did you it's uh it's cool it's better than apple script but it still feels like apple script <laughs> it's still so hard to find like you still have to sit and play with the commands that are like not consistent between applications it's that's yeah. frustrating that i want to get better I, I mean having an automation language that lets la- that lets applications speak to each other yeah and, and let you communicate with any app from a, a script or a program is great it's amazing yeah I just wish that it didn't take me so long to learn the dictionary for every new app I try to <laughs> script. Yeah. That and the whole idea of a the human language that AppleScript started with. Yes. Ended up really shooting it in the foot. And I, I hope I want it to just go away so we can start again because that's what I felt like the JavaScript was. Um but yeah, I, I won't. That's we have so much to get through here, and we're like forty minutes, so I won't go off on that. Well, speaking of like holidays and and doing stuff, um, you know, playing with automation and and playing with systems and, you know, dealing with VPSs and and dealing with tech support, um, I mean, it brings up a kind of a thing that happens, I think, every holiday, like at least for me anyway, I see my parents and like I do tech support for them because I only see them like once a year um, or, you know, go home once a year. And so um, it's always time like, okay, have you backed up your computer you know, have have we done like the, the latest thing? My dad's on a Chromebook now, but my mom has a MacBook. And, uh, you know, it's always one of those things where you're like, okay, what do we do if disaster strikes? You know, do we have a game plan so that all the family photos are not irrevocably lost in the ether? And uh, I don't know. That 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 leads into our segue for our, our next sponsor, which I is... I feel uh, like everything we talk about is eventually a segue to a sponsor, which is, I guess, kind of what podcast it's kind of is what podcasting is it kind of is it's always just a segue for MailCamp. um that's a serial reference for uh for those of you <laughs> listening at home 
No, but I mean, no, but backblaze. I mean, this actually does kind of go into now. You said your parents, uh, people came to, to visit you. Your brother's an engineer. Um, I'm, I don't know what your sister does. Um, my, but my brother, my brother-in-law's the engineer, and, and he's my brother has my old MacBook. Okay, and uh, and it is he needs, I think, to have a better backup plan. Right. Um, I was going to ask like how tech savvy your relatives were. That, they it ranges it ranges quite a bit um but uh but have you I had can the make backup this... have, have you have you had the backup discussion have you had the talk about backups we've we've been through restores already so most of them understand and some of them have acted on it but i can make this personal because three days ago i was working on my computer my macbook air mm-hmm. and it just fell out from underneath me like the whole uh, like there was um, kernel panic at some point. There was some serious disruption, and I still haven't figured out where that came from. But I'm I'm in the terminal, and all of a sudden, uh, Finder freezes, and Bash just goes away. The whole system is just gone. So I ended up having to restore the whole thing after doing some serious um, uh, drive repair on an SSD. It was I don't know, but anyway, my back my backup saved everything for me. I could actually. I stayed up all night doing it, but I could actually right, but at least not you're able to panic. Do it. Yeah. So yeah, now obviously you know we always talk about like our backup plan is to have like you know local backup, local time machine, have a, uh, another local backup, and then a cloud backup. Did I get that right? Yes. I mean, because that's what I do. It I ranges like, for me, but that's the minimum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes I have like more than that, but exactly, I have like a NAS backup, I have like a local time machine backup, and then I have a cloud backup. Sometimes, At least one. sometimes my cloud backup is a time machine that backs up on the other end too. But same, yeah, backblaze. But but backblaze is awesome. I've used them for for years, and it's it's pretty awesome. I mean, basically, it's five dollars a month. You get military grade encryption, uh, unlimited storage. It's unthrottled, so it'll back up as fast as your hard drive and your internet connection will go it's five dollars a month for as many drives as you have connected to your computer it's five dollars per machine but if you have like you know like i do like a bunch of external drives connected then all those external drives can actually be you know backed up as well which is super super nice and they have ios and android apps so that you can access all your backed up files anywhere you have an internet connection and they also hang on to 30 days of past file versions which is kind of similar to what what, what dropbox does um, so that's really nice too. Like if, you know, you're like, oh man, you know, I, I restored this, you know, like you were just saying you restored your system and maybe something happened. You have accidentally deleted a file and you're like, you know what? I needed the version of this from two weeks ago, not the one that I just got. Um, you can do that. You can, you can selectively restore and, and keep those old versions. I, I they, they'll email you a drive if you want to do your whole system from the cloud, won't they? Yeah, they, they will. They used to. I did that once. Yeah, no, which is because sometimes like it can take like forever to, to download stuff. So you, they will actually mail you a drive, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then this is a here's a rip from reality story. The uh, friend of ESN, Ryan Gallagher, runs a podcast uh, network of his own. And he has a show called The Criterion Cast that you might have heard of. And I actually I'm a huge Criterion Collection fan and I'm a big fan of the Criterion Cast. Hi, Ryan. And uh, he was getting ready to record some end of year specials a couple of days ago. And he went to Shauna's iMac and much like your MacBook Air, Brett. Ding dong, the witch is dead. And this basically happened like three days ago, like as we're recording this. And he loads off the important stuff on his now dead iMac, including his source files for his whole network, his photos of his family, his whole digital life. But because he was a Backblaze user, all of his files were backed up and safe. It's uh, it's serious peace of mind. 
It is. And for $5 a month, I mean, it's really, it's really important. I feel like, you know, I always say have a local backup, you know, do your local time machine. But I also think that increasingly having a cloud copy is really important because you never know. You might be in a situation where relatives are visiting um, or, you know, you're out on the road or something else is happening and or there's a fire or whatever the case may be. Having that stuff backed up someplace else is really cool. So thank you, Backblaze. And you can go to backblaze.com slash overtired to learn more and to support to support our show. Whose show? Our show. Huh. Did you know Brett Kelly wrote a vaping book? Did he seriously? Yeah. I, I'm, ha- I'm halfway through the... I guess I'm a quarter of way through it. That's awesome. So actually, I keep thinking that you and Grant need to do a vaping podcast, and I think Brett Kelly could be like on there with you guys. He used to work at um, Evernote, right? Yeah. Yep, that's uh, that's where he was when I met him, and he wrote the uh, one of the best books on Evernote. He did. That's how he got the job at Evernote. Yeah, we met him when he worked at uh, TUAW. Oh, that's right. No, but I knew him. I knew of him before he came there, and I think it was because of Evernote. I think me and timelines do not get along well. I don't. Even I was going to say. I think I he actually got. The, I, I was going to say. I think that he actually got the Evernote job after we already met him because he wrote that amazing book about Evernote and then they hired him. They were like, we want you to work for us. And we were like, all everybody was like, well, of course. So he wrote a book about vaping. Do tell. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's available on Amazon. I'll link it in the show notes. He's not a sponsor and he didn't no, ask just, me to talk about it. I'm just, he's a friend though. And you vape, you still vape, right? Yeah. I just, it's, it's intrigue. It's, there are a lot of people who, um, who vape, but don't really want to talk about it. Like, yeah. There, you know, within the community, we're like the, the cloud chasers, like we have fun in back rooms, like making uh, cigarettes that blow essentially harmless vapor. But like, uh, like when e-cigs first came out, you could barely see it, even if someone smoked inside. Right. But now it's this, become right. It's like the point thing, yeah. is to just blow as much of this vapor as you can, and you we build these coils that will. Heat heat things so fast that you can only hold it to your mouth for a couple of <laughs> seconds, and then you just explode with like just dragon fume, and it's fun, and you don't have to do that to be a vapor, but right. that is kind of where it's gone. Yeah, there's the vaping Olympics. Uh, we wrote about that and did a video about that. People who kind of like had like the World Series of vaping, like you know, to see how how big they could get. Um, my husband doesn't do quite that much stuff. Um, and, and he tries to keep his a little bit like, you know, more casual, mostly because he usually is vaping at work, um, right. illegally indoors. I have two. I have one for fun and one for actually being around other people. I was going to say, cause didn't your wife, did, did, didn't, yeah, did you say I was supposed to quit a while ago. I was going to say, I remember, I remember you saying that and I was like concerned. I was like, cause I really do think that like you and, and other Brett, and Grant should have a vaping podcast. Well, and it's, the vape cast. I haven't smoked a single cigarette since I got my first one. That's like the same three thing. Three years ago now. Well, that's the same thing. Grant has been like it's been almost two years since he smoked a cigarette, and it's amazing. And cigarettes in New York, I mean, I don't know how expensive they are in um, uh, Minnesota, but in New York, they're like twelve dollars a pack. I heard you get you get killed by the cops for selling them cheaper. You do. If you sell sing- – that's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens. Actually, that's really – it sadly is what happens and, and um, our, our thoughts are with the, the Garner family because that was freaking terrible. Yeah, don't get me started on how I feel about politics and ta- police right now. I was say we've already talked about the police a number of times and, and, and you know what? At this point, I don't think they're going to be sponsoring our show. So we <laughs> just move on. See, I, I – I, uh... 
I'd managed to keep it quiet during my family time, but uh, with a couple of friends, I've gone off on this kind of bizarrely uh, apocalyptic vision of the near future. I think maybe <laughs> the sci-fi is getting to me, but I listen to myself and I'm like, that is some crazy ass talk right there. But I don't know. It's uh, I'm I'm getting scared of this country and the world situation in general. And, and, Jeb, and it leads me to jump to drastic conclusions. And Jeb Bush wants to be our president. So does no. Oh, what's her name from Minnesota? Uh, Michelle Bachman. Oh my God, she's gonna run. That is awesome. That is amazing. Because there will be stuff faster. to laugh about for years now. Oh, completely. But That'll... she ran last time, and she well, did. That's she why tried. everyone knows who she is. But right, well, then just they know who she is because she's crazy. She's got the crazy eyes. Yeah, the did you see the the I think it was after uh, one of the State of the Unions. Yeah, and she didn't look at the camera the whole time. Like no. she thought a different camera was on, so her crazy <laughs> eyes, which never blink, are staring like away from you. It's so no, it's weird. I can't watch that one. So one of the things we have here, I'm curious about this. We have Soylent update. Yes, I figured I should I should tell you how it's going because I've actually been drinking the Soylent mixes almost every day. It's I have like two shakes and then a (laughs) exactly Um, shake for breakfast, a shake for lunch, and a sensible dinner. That is exactly what I've been doing, but not necessarily for weight loss. Just because those are meals I normally skip. We need to like put the Tommy Lasorda. you know, um, uh, commercials in there because those were great. They were, they were. I st- yeah, there. Have you ever seen the one where I can't remember what it's for, but the guy says, "I look and feel like a new man." <laughs> I think it was Weight Watchers, but my, it's like an inside joke for my wife and her brothers. Like they just say that randomly, and it took me forever to figure out what they were talking about. But I found something on YouTube, um, like a show, a commercial they saw when they were kids, and it just stuck with them. But anyway, yeah, so I'm enjoying this one, and I feel like even if I, if I ate nothing but that, I'd probably, I don't know, I'd probably still be as healthy as I have been lately. It's, uh, it, it hasn't made me any worse. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> That's fair enough, right? I think so. I think so. So, yeah. Oh, my God. I just found, I found a Happy New Year commercial from Tommy Lasorda, uh, for ultra slim fast i'm putting this in the show notes because it's from pretty what great. year uh, the 80s it doesn't say it was uploaded to youtube in 2007 which means it's i don't know it looks like it's yeah i mean it's it looks like it's probably 89 or 90 hmm. nice someone posted a picture of richard simmons in a bed of salad nice. completely nude but he had salad parts covering him. <sighs> huh. i love richard simmons I used to always get him confused with the with the guy who played Mr. Body, though. Yeah, I could see that. I was kind of, like, in my head mixed up with Gene Simmons because I didn't grow up with Kiss. Right. They were just, as a kid, they were just names I heard. And, uh, yeah, it was... That they're pretty different people. Very different people. And different... Uh... Well, only one of them actually went into porn, and it wasn't the good-looking one. I... <laughs> Sweat into the oldies. <laughs> yeah, that's not pornographic, right? No. Not unless fat people sweat dancing and doing jazzercise. The oldies is your idea of sexually uh, awesome. I don't think that is for anybody. I don't think anyone has that sort of fetish. 
Mm, no, probably not. Well, probably not. Uh, every time I think that, every time I dare to utter those words, it turns out there's a subreddit for I'm it. I'm eventually proven wrong that there's like a huge community of fetishists for whatever bizarreness I was. All right, so so audience, we we need you to tell us. No, is we there... don't. actually <laughs> actually I no, seriously, I want to know if there is a subreddit for people who uh, are turned on by sweat into the '80s. I realized the other day that there are so many things that I would honestly be happier if I didn't know. <laughs> but once I know them, I feel obligated to tell everybody else. Did you know it's a, it's a sickness? I don't know why I want to share that kind of pain. Because you're, if you have to know it, then the rest of the world should have to suffer too. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't feel like I hate people that much. Eh. It's not hate. It's 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 uh, Schadenfreude. It's not Schadenfreude in this case, but it's, but it's the same sort of thing with that where, you know, take glee and just, it, it's fun to be miserable. Yeah, that's actually true. But only for a little while. Only for a little while. Agreed. You gotta, you gotta find the, uh, the end of the rainbow at some point. Double rainbow. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. It's amazing. I met that guy. Did you? I did. Was he still on acid? Does he did like come down or? Uh, at that point, he was trying to make money off of his meme. He right. was a nice guy, but yeah, it was kind of one of those things. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, when I first saw it, I honestly think it was like not faked. Um, oh no, not at all. But I also think there was a lot of either psilocybin or LSD involved with that video. Uh, there was definitely something involved. Like there was, there was definitely some like uh, you know. There was something. Daniel Tosh got the hide your wife, hide your kids kid, kid on Oh, his yeah, I've met him, too. <laughs> he's actually, he's pretty nice these days. Um, well, no, he, like, weird. So he was gay. Like, when I met him, he was right, he turned. a woman. And now he's, like, turned into, like, a total, like, like Pentecostal Christian, like, yeah. married kids guy. I'm like, Antoine, what the hell, dude? Like, when I met him, like, I'm sorry, man. That guy is not is not straight. Yeah. Like, I, be yourself. That's what I love about Michelle Bachman's husband. Yes. Like, he's a professional pray the gay out guy. He is, and, and it's... Oh. It's freakish, because but no, but he's Antoine quite clearly like really, not straight. Right, but, like, Antoine's, like, a really nice kid, and, like, I wish him the best for his family and stuff, but, like, dude, like, you don't need to be in the closet. Like, dude, it's okay. Like, do you think, we all love you. Do you think internet fame turns people? Is that, like, like just you switch gender biases immediately? Uh, No. No? That never happened before? Probably not. Although, I mean, isn't Tron guy married to a furry? Like, I think that, like his his husband or something or his boyfriend, his longtime partner is like they're both furries. But then, Tron guy apparently hit on my female friend at like RaffleCon one year. So I don't even know. And now we're gonna get super liable by Tron guy. Yeah, I doubt it. No, I doubt. I, yeah, I've seen that happen though. Like once people's fifteen minutes are up, they get vindictive. And spend yeah. the rest of their lives like fighting for like their rights and their royalties and stuff that doesn't really exist for internet fame. Well, right. I mean, that's the thing. I and mean, that's Tron guy who tried to go on America's Got Talent in his freaking Tron costume. Everybody <laughs> like, was like, like suddenly he matters. And everyone made fun of him. And then he came back for like viewers' choice. Like, and he went back again. It's one of those things where like, dude, you know, we were all making fun of you because you had a camel toe, and it was gross. And your costume was hilarious and it was 2003 or whatever. But, like, A, the internet has moved on. B, that costume is falling apart of the seams. And, like, C, dude. Dude. There's, uh, there's a certain level of, I want to call it mental illness. 
that goes along with 80% of the stuff that gets famous on YouTube. Normal totally. people wouldn't do it. Normal, Like, some of it's just pure talent. Some of it's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Some of it is us having our own fetish for people who just aren't really right. Yes, and also just kind of, you know, like, like, like although the, some people, though, the people who, like, you wouldn't think aren't right go on to be okay. Like, case in point, the Leave Britney Alone kid, he's actually done okay for himself. Is he? Didn't he turn into one of those people with, like, maybe, like, 90 to 100,000 Twitter followers who thinks he's now God? No, not really. He's, like, he's gotten, like, cleaned up looking. He looks pretty good. I think he's kind of trying to do comedy stuff. Like, he seems, like, kind of like a normal, like, he's he's okay. Tosh did manage to get him on, too, but... Yeah, Tosh gets everybody. I don't remember thinking that, oh, he turned out okay. (laughs) Well, I guess, look, it's all relative, right? I mean, he's better than, like... better than the Britney video. Britney alone. I mean, that was kind of a low point, I think, for everybody. It was heartfelt, though. It was. It was. But at that point, you know, I was one of the people who was screaming the loudest at what a disaster she was and cackling from the sidelines. So I didn't really want to, like, hear about how we should leave her alone when it was just so clear that she was... I don't even know what that VMA performance was. That was just amazing. Right, that but that whole thing ever. was a setup for her next album to come out as like a Madonna-esque feminist anthem. Because if she had just released that when she was still like everyone thought she was awesome, it would have been kind of uh, well, and it was, but it would have looked immediately like a pandering gesture. Um, but then she had the whole breakdown, and she came back strong, did like womanizer, and. I, I, it was, I don't know. She's no Taylor Swift. I, I'm not even going to argue that, but no, her comeback well, was interesting to watch. It, well, it was interesting to see how media was able to orchestrate it and take somebody who's clearly it's not that intelligent yeah. and clearly not that talented at all, <laughs> but has looks and can be auto-tuned and at one time could dance. I don't know. I saw her live before she oh, went crazy and shaved her head. No, because I wanted to see like the station, like if she would get like the performance and stuff. And I was actually, I was pretty disappointed, I have to say. Yeah. Um. I mean, I've seen Madonna like five times, and Madonna puts on a freaking great show. Yeah, and it, it got even better as she got older. It was crazy. No, Madonna's amazing. I want to um, see Shakira live. I would totally do that. Um, so speaking of Taylor Swift, there's this video that I'm going to put in the comments that is so two of my favorite songs off of the new album are Blank Space and Style Tracks 2 and 3. And um, this um, uh, singer-songwriter from um, Nashville, Louisa Windorf, she and her friend Devin did a mashup kind of acoustic of those two songs. And it's a really great arrangement. And Taylor Swift um, tweeted it and put it on her Facebook and her Tumblr and stuff. And so this song has gotten – it has almost a million YouTube views and everybody's obsessed with it. But it's a really, really, really good mashup. Um, You have to watch it and listen to it because it's really solid. Nice. Did you see the – I think did I mention it last week that acapella version of Trouble? Yes. That someone so sent good. us on Twitter. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, it was. I actually that was so good. played that for my wife, and I don't normally push that stuff on other people. Yay. I enjoy it privately in my office. <laughs> I always enjoy acapella. I went to see Florence live, uh, Florence and the Machine last year, and it was. I mean, she's, she doesn't move during her stage show, not much. She stands there with her arms out and just sings, which is fine with me. Um, but that album with uh, Shake It Off, did you ever hear that? Yes. It, it, it brought a new level of young crowd, and they knew every word to the song, like every song. And the weird part to me was that she only played stuff off the current album and played it almost in album order. 
which was depressing to me. Like, I like a show that, like, starts out with their, you know, big stuff and moves into Absolutely. the most popular and then drops back to a couple covers and way yep. back stuff to, to say hey, a I'm nod have, like, to the, the people who've been there. Exactly. exactly. And she didn't at all. That's, that's disappointing because, yeah, I like it when they do the deep cuts. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I get, like, wanting to play the new album and stuff, but, like, you've got to do, like, the deep cuts, too. Yeah. I mean, let's take the Beastie Boys would never have done just, like, an intergalactic concert. It just wouldn't happen. Too no, much, too I much mean, good taste. Uh, yeah, I mean, although parts of them probably would have wanted to. I do understand at the same time though. Like, we're, there's certain artists who like, like Elton John, people like that who are like they don't just want to play the hits. Um, that's actually where I think like Tori Amos has like I've seen her live a number of I times. Have and I have a ton of her bootlegs. She does a great thing where she'll play more from her current repertoire, but she does covers, and then she also does like the back stuff too. And she's so amazing. Tori is unbelievable. I I lost interest but i didn't dislike her i i was a huge fan in, in my younger days and i saw her a couple times and uh, i yeah i loved her the, i got the crucify ep yeah when i was i must have been like 14 15 and that kind of that and broken by nine inch and not broken uh pretty hate machine yes were those two albums were kind of like my anthemic uh that define me as a person or or fit my definition of myself so well that Completely. I didn't I didn't I didn't drop them. I didn't take them out of rotation for about two years. No, and that was definitely one of those things with me, like I like a uh, little earthquakes and 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 jagged little pill and yeah. um and and uh, Siamese dream and melancholy and the infinite sadness and uh, pretty hate machine and downward spiral like were in my CD player like all the time. Yep, downward spiral was the last one before. Trent tried to be ministry. Yeah. Broken. I mean, I still liked it. That's what I would mountain bike to was uh, uh, the broken, mm-hmm. especially the the fixed EP. But anyway, um, what was I going to say? I totally forget that Siren threw me off. Yeah, that's uh, that's New York for you. Oh, did you hear the 8-bit uh, Pretty Hate Machine? Pretty yes. Hate Machine? Yes. Oh, my God. That was so good. That I have so to good. link that if it still exists. We have to link that. Yeah, that's amazing. If they haven't been sued out of existence. Yeah. I. It was. Although, like, you know what? Trent would be cool with that. Trent, Trent belonged to Oink. He would. And he would be you, amazingly cool with that. He put out an entire album as individual tracks asking for people to steal them and remix them. Yep. He did. He did. And he, um, uh, one of my ex-boyfriends um, did the color uh, correction stuff for the fan film that was a combination of like their last tour. Um, and what he said was going to be the last tour, but we all knew it wouldn't be. And like, you know, taking compilation of footage from like a billion different sources and putting together like this great like concert film. And, and Eric did the Eric was the colorist. Nice. Yeah, yeah I, I've I've always I I think Trent for a while there I didn't follow where he was going after uh, after the kind of uh, more experimental phase he went into. But then I went back and listened to it, and I feel like he kind of followed the Fugazi path. He totally did. Where he just kept growing yep. and didn't worry about what his current fans would think. No, and that's the thing. And I think most of his fans kind of came around. You know what I mean? It was yeah. one of those things where we were like, okay, at first you don't know what he's doing and it seems weird and he's doing all the soundtrack stuff and he's doing this other stuff. Um, this is before he's – meaning like talking about like uh, like not soundtrack, like his score work, but just yeah. – um, you know, like in the nineties and, and then, yeah, I mean, he was doing kind of his double albums and other things. And then it was like, you know what, actually he, he had a plan and he was growing as an artist and continuing to evolve and becoming better and better. And now like, he's just, I mean, he's an amazing, amazing artist. I mean, like 
and actually as a, doing scores, like the, the work he's done with David Venture for uh, the social network and uh, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl right. are some of my favorite like movie scores. Well, the like, thing it's is, a completely like, different genre for we him. We used to all think he was good but angst-ridden and was, I don't know, when Pretty Hate Machine first came out, I was going to industrial shows and I knew the sounds, like the underground, like industrial scene, I knew where he had gotten the sounds. They weren't like new. Right. They, his, his, the syncopation and the timing and the lyrics made it work though. And then from there on up to now, yeah, he got increasingly, it got to a point where I realized he's basically a savant with keyboards and electronic music. And he's a, yes. And he's a fantastic producer, which I think is the big thing too. Really? Yeah. I mean, he, he he's I, such I a good producer. He had, did he have formal piano train training? I don't know. I saw there was he had a part where he talked about it in uh, Sound City. Yeah. Um, the uh, Dave Grohl movie. Yes. Um, that I was a good film. I can't remember what he said, though. I just remember thinking he didn't what he does now. He didn't have any training for it. Like he kind of forged new territory in that area. It's been pretty cool. It has been cool. And Ministry started. Did you ever hear their first EP with Sympathy? I never did. No, it was total like 80s pop. That's amazing. Electronic 80s pop. And now they are probably the filthiest, hardest industrial band. Uh, uh, I don't know. I went to a show for a, a band called Bile. They were from New York. <laughs> New York, I think it was seven or nine guys and girls on stage in ski masks and coveralls and uh, with guns. That were, <laughs> they were fake, but with the amount of fog machine they turned on. And they would tell. walk through the audience with guns and Jeez. it was i was nervous but i was young enough to think oh it's really fun to be nervous um and they they played songs that i couldn't possibly repeat the name of because they're not just swear words they are absolutely um like horrible horrifying offensive combinations of swear words that when i was a teenager i thought were really funny now you're like i can't say this well, with my company. i bought the t-shirt <laughs> you're gonna have to tell me this after after the show because no, i want to know what your t-shirt i bought says. the techno horror t-shirt and, <laughs> nice and it um i actually don't remember what it said but it was very offensive and it had uh some kind of pornographic cartoons on the front of it and i made the mistake of accidentally mistaking it for another shirt and throwing it in the laundry for my mom to wash. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, that ha- mistakes what happened to me once I had a shirt that said, I blanked your boyfriend, except instead of blank, it you know, had the F word. Because I thought it was hilarious. I found it in San Francisco. And uh, when my mom found that shirt, she was not she was not amused. Did I? Oh, speaking of uh, uh, offensive products, before we go here. Yes. Um, before we talk about our last sponsor. Absolutely. Um, I, th- there's a, a, oh, shoot, I forgot his name already. He podcasts on ESN. Um, he runs a store. And they have ice scrapers that say "fuck it" on them, nice. and they're awesome. And I ordered them. That's amazing. Them. And I also have uh, pixelated skull and heart socks, and a cup, a mug that says "I was an Apple user when Apple was doomed." <laughs> <laughs> I want that cup because I could totally like have that. That's amazing. Well, it's it's kind of a lie for me, but I You're did. Right. I started using it before the big turnaround, but after they had kind of moved away from bankruptcy. Right. For me, I didn't have one like at home, but I used them at school. So it would, it would be sort of a lie, but not a total lie. Fair enough. I did use them at school. That's true. But I was I actually hated them when I was a kid. So it is kind of... Remember how we 
told everybody about Drobo last week or week before last, last time we did this. You mean that uh, that amazing storage product that keeps all your data in one place? <laughs> See, this is why we work so well together, Brett. It's like you know what I'm going to say before I say it. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. So as we've said before, overtired listeners can still get $90 off the Drobo of their choice at drobostore.com by using the offer code Holiday tired. You know what we didn't mention last week? Uh, this show is a little bit random, so it's possible we missed something. Well, Brett, not only does Drobo have the ability to protect people against one or two drives completely failing. I'm pretty sure we mentioned that one. Okay, so we did mention that. So, so not only does it have the ability to protect if one or two drives totally fails, but not only can you pop out those dead drives and hot swap in a fresh... I, wait, I, I know where you're going. Um, so let's say you start out with your Drobo and you just fill it with what you have laying around and you want to upgrade your storage. You just pop out a drive, stick in a bigger one. It's, it's easy, regardless of why you're putting in a new drive. I did that. I'm off script, but I did that, uh, recently when the six terabyte drives came out, I suddenly had two more terabytes in my, uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, I should stick to script because I'm getting tired. Um, right. So if you just bought the original Drobo seven years ago. Uh, you can pull out the entire enclosure of out of the old one and stick all of your existing drives into a brand new one. Right, and that goes for any of them too, since Drobo's been thinking ahead of time from the beginning. And uh, and you can use the offer code Holiday Tired, and you get ninety dollars off at DroboStore.com. If our listeners go to Drobo.com/slash/overtired, they can enter to win a sweepstakes for a four bay Drobo, and the drawing's happening the first week of January, so that's next week. So go ahead and enter now, and you'll be notified by email. And uh, a huge thanks to Drobo for supporting both Overtired and ESN. And uh, I have to go to Florida in a couple weeks. So we'll have lots to talk about after that. Definitely. Florida. Florida. Everything that's wrong with this. Okay. Um, (laughs) No, it's not. It's not. There's a lot to be said for Mississippi, too. Um, uh, yes. I, to be fair, one of my favorite guys at my last job was uh, like uh, grew up in Mississippi, and he was actually like completely normal. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. He's like radio DJ normal, <laughs> like college radio DJ kind of guy. Right. But I loved him. I Good did. morning, Vietnam. No, um, gotcha. You said it's, it's funny DJ because he did that up. on a conference call once. Anyway, now you're just joking with me. And no, now- I'm not. <laughs> Anyway, I should get some sleep, and I think you should probably get some sleep, although you sound bizarrely awake right now. I am bizarrely awake, so I think that'd be good. Okay, so stay up for a day and then get some sleep. That sounds good. I will stay up for a day, then I will get some sleep. But, Brett, I will talk to you later, and uh, everybody else in the audience, um, follow us on Twitter, um, O-B-R-T-R-D, and rate and review us on iTunes because it really helps. Awesome. Bye. <laughs> the system is going down low.